there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome back, Spidey's 16th Minute. Yes. I'm your co-host, Heidi Pratt. Yes. Heidi Montag Pratt. And this uh, is... Introduce me, the honey. The movie star. Thank you. Spencer Pratt. And we have Thank superstar you. agent manager, our former agent, and we continue to work with him, Adam Galvin. Hi, everybody. Thanks Legend. for having me. Legend. Legend. Benny also can talk backwards. Which you say, like, what do you mean? We'll do that in the end. Yeah. So stay tuned to watch a oh, wow. America's Got Talent oh, wow. level. He could win America's Got Talent. But <laughs> so real quick backstory. He, thank God I was down the way here. He has the best memory ever in real life. So he'll remember stuff that we definitely don't remember, which will be so fun to go back down memory lane. So the goal of this podcast is not only to, you know, listen to incredible memories about our our heyday but you have a vision of how to get us back to being famous and locking in the 16th minute so we're going to start back when you were in the beginning of reality television you were one of the first reality television agents at what was then the biggest agency or one of william morris and so before we even met you let's start with how you got into reality tv unscripted and I am still and was back then a movie geek. I went to film school. I moved to LA to work in the movies. I wanted to be a director and a writer. And uh, I got I worked on Project Greenlight, the, the old HBO show, as a production assistant. And the producer of that movie at the time said, what do you want to do next? And I said, I don't know, but every job that I'm applying for in the movies says you need to have experience as, a, as a, at an agency. One-year agency experience required is what it said on every job listing. Um, and so, uh, he wrote me a letter of recommendation, which got me an interview at William Morris. And I got a job as an assistant in, uh, it was called cable syndication and nonfiction. That is sort of leftover from the days, like just after network television. And then ultimately what they finally realized and they reorganized it was that it was called, uh, unscripted or non-scripted television. I did not know what that meant. Uh, I didn't go to the agency to work in reality TV, but you know that if you're trying to get your foot in the door in entertainment and you're offered a job at the William Morris Agency, you have to take that job. So at the time, this was not to date myself, 2003, there was like six agents in that department. Um, and this was like season two of Survivor, like season two of American Idol. 
Queer Eye for the Straight Guy just premiered on Bravo. And I remembered like just when I started, like the frenzy that there was internally to try and sign all these guys. And so you sort of pick up like, oh, this is what we do. We represent kind of everybody. Uh, you represent the on-camera talent, you represent the production companies, you represent the producers. So if you're like me and you're hyper ADD and you want to do a different a lot of different things and you like being involved creatively, it was this unique opportunity that I didn't know I was looking for uh, in the agency world where you can get your hands in a lot of different things. And so um, moved up pretty quick just because I, I found myself working for the head of the department after six months, who was a very, very big agent who you guys know really well. Um, and yeah, you're off to the races. I was after I was promoted about three years after I started. Three, I, you were an assistant for three years. Two years and then a year as coordinator. <laughs> No which is, which was quick back then, which is quick now, especially quick by now. Now it's like five years, depending on the department. Um, Did you consider going back into film and production side or were you I, well, immersed in that world? The explosion of documentaries and documentary series has allowed me to sort of combine everything I learned in reality TV because the process of selling it is similar, but I get to now work with filmmakers, which was sort of a, an area of the business that we didn't really represent all that heavily five six years ago so i can play in both areas so going back to being the assistant so r.i.p uh john ferreter so he was our first agent that we had so when you say he was a big time agent did he come from film or television or did he become a big time agent just in that space he was in that department before they even really knew what to call it uh it was it was sort of talk shows and then he really uh, cut his teeth like in music specials when there was like like a lot of that stuff award shows music specials working heavily with music clients and then uh just built up his reputation as a, a super agent but he spent his whole entire career start to finish in nonfiction. and because it will fast forward later there's a merger and of course heidi and spencer have the one agent that's suing our new agency <laughs> which was really great for our career at a pivotal time of trying to be famous but so he now because he's in hopefully heaven let's say um he doesn't ever get I, you know he's not one of these big talked but he if he'd stayed in the game and had help like he'd be one of these he was mega we, he's we, as big as they could be right? yeah they were like he was a super agent there was there were our agency was the were the pioneers in that space the first people that really in it really heavily um, and there was his boss who was, you know, sort of considered one of like the founding fathers of reality TV and then John, and this was, you know, whatever up from the time that I met him until he left the agency 2009 ish, he was, you know, depending on what, however you want to consider it. Yeah. A very, very, a very, very top one, two, three agent in the nonfiction business. Who is the guy that the founding? Oh, that was Mark. Itkin. Mark Itkin. Yeah. Wow. We got to get Mark Hicken on the pod. Is yep. he still alive? He is. <laughs> just and that was the time actually when the Hills ended too. And that was such a big split. Like he was leaving the agency. We were leaving the show. And for us too, that's when we really needed like all hands on deck and it to like re-strategize. Very, very crazy time yeah. for everybody in it, a lot of ways. It really was. So do you recall when we met you? I remember oh, walking yeah. in because you oh, yeah. talked to us more than he did because he was, you know, we actually... It was probably 2007. Yeah. Because I, be. I, 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 I got promoted in 2006. So I, if I was an agent a year, it was barely a year. And it was me, John, Susie. Um, <laughs> and so I was... 
I was excited. I was very excited because I knew, well, A, I knew who you guys were and you were famous and I knew you were ambitious because I knew of Princess of Malibu and all that stuff before. Um, but I also knew just the way it works at a talent agency is that, um, for a lot of agencies is that like when you get finally get promoted, you're sort of considered the low rung on the totem pole. You sit in your office, you cover your outlets. You, I, I cover ABC and NBC. You learn what open jobs are and help, help the established agents get their clients jobs on those shows. Uh, and you work your way up and you sort of establish your reputation. Then you start to sign clients of your own. The two people, the two other agents in the room with us were pretty big agents. So I knew that like this was an opportunity for me to work with people who were genuinely famous, who had like really big careers ahead of them, and that um, I was going to be the guy or like probably be doing the majority of the work or talking to you guys the most. So um, we met in John's office. I remember I had a, a pad of paper in which you like made some comment about because the others did not. And I was, <laughs> there to, I was there to take notes and, and be prepared. Uh, and yeah, that was like um. season. I feel like you just finished season three of the Hills. Cause I think I was with you guys for four or five and six. Yeah. Yeah. Did Dan Black bring us in? How did we I get so. John? Yeah, it, was, so. it was, it was like, how do we get a heavy hitter? Yeah. Where is Susie? She's a therapist. We should have she her on the podcast. So funny. Well. I just always remember her talking about running and I just pictured her on that treadmill sprinting oh, yeah. as fast as she could with everybody her watching calls. her. <laughs> you should, you should, you should have her. She's, okay. have She's hilarious. So, yeah. Did John therapy. used to have like all those rock and roll posters that I dream John, of? Well, yes, because that's so he because he John had John was in a band, right? Okay, yeah. uh, he John like came up representing like so he was like on Garth Brooks' team and doing big giant music specials for Garth Brooks, and so that's sort of John represented the rock stars, and then he represented the directors who were producing and directing those specials, and then that all sort of built his business. Uh, but yes, his office was covered in guitars and gold records and those I types of things. Feel like. If we'd had that team with the opportunities now with how, you know, one thing that was interesting about Matt Mosca or Steve Mosca, Matt's dad, I just saw Matt this morning, shout out Matt, um, is he was talking about how everyone's like, oh, the business is so different now. And he was like, there's so much more actual business. It may not be the business we knew, but I just feel like we, there was only so much things actually for us that your team could book back then. Now I feel like there's so many different Instagram didn't exist. Nothing like, did not exist back then. And so like the ability to, you guys were famous, but like your fame was television show and then uh, covers of magazines, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the ability to like build, to, to, to draft off of the fame that you had via whatever TikTok and Instagram, whatever now would be insane. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it like there's only exist. so much having, like we had all these, because I think I'm like hearing you, I'm like, God, we had the biggest agent in Hollywood. We had a team behind us or the biggest lawyer, but you can, I guess we got as big as you can get in the space. We were in, Yeah, we're, you guys, you know, I mean, you guys did pretty well. Like, you know, I don't know if it's, or how much I can say, but like there was a, MTV wanted to do a separate spinoff. Yeah. We then taken out a separate spinoff. There was a lot of interest. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, if this, I don't know how much this helps, but like we at the agency traditionally didn't represent a reality TV show like cast members because usually it was like the broadcasters, hosts, news people, people on Food Network, lifestyle experts, whatever. Usually 
back then, especially there was like a ceiling to how much a person who was a, a reality show cast member, because it was like the real world or whatever. They were on TV for one world yeah. one, for one season or like think of like the Joe Millionaire or whatever shows that they had like one season where someone became really famous for a short period of time. And then they tried to get a broadcasting career and there wasn't much opportunity. Um, but that, but the Hills was like, that was a network defining hit. And, um, yeah, it was clear that like you guys had the same power. And like I said, like you came in there from day one, it was like Spidey productions. We were going to have a Spidey jet, you're going to quit your job, become CEO of Spidey Enterprises. And so I was like, all right, these kids are, oh are going places. What could we have done to transition into a more successful realm? Yeah, if you got a time machine, now looking, what... What, what map should yeah, we what, have gone what, down? What would, if we could try to do it again back then? <sighs> this, sound, this might sound boring, but I think we were, Spencer and I were talking about this a little bit before we started rolling, but building the production company, I think, was... Because you had a a dynamo team mm-hmm. working for you in development who've gone on to do huge things in the movie business. Um, but like you had a tremendous amount of experience already uh, in getting reality TV shows out to market that you weren't even on camera for or didn't need to be on camera for. You're a hustler. Uh, and how do I put this? Like, there's not a lot of stars in reality TV. So like when you are a celebrity and you are out in front of like a business, people will take that meeting. People are excited to meet you. So um, I think we, you know, that was probably something we probably should have spent more time on, but that's not, it doesn't mean you can't attack yeah, it now. There's no, still plenty of opportunity. It's funny you said, I just saw this morning in Erwan, one of the biggest producers in Hollywood and he was nice, but I said to Heidi, man, we were so famous because how he treated me back when we were popping and in the limelight and no matter what any of the tabloid covers actually so just that level of fame how the energy i had from him and the emails to like this morning in erwan you didn't realize i was wearing all james franco custom clothes i tried to be like i'm a movie star now but i said we were popping because it is that there's when you have that star power the people will treat you different you can get meetings like during the I'm a celebrity recruitment process. I remember you called me and you're like, why is Ben Silverman calling me about his reality show? Remember that? I was like, oh, because it's a, <laughs> a priority and they know that you guys will be gold on that show. Uh, we, yeah. Did you go to any of those dinners or with him and us where no, he was just we, we playing had a, us? We had a meal so... with Brian Graydon at that was a great. Yeah, I remember that. That, one, Which was a that big was a big check. That was yeah. a great. Who just took credit? That Liz Gailey. Meeting. Shout out Liz Gailey said she was part of that check because i was like oh. yeah i'll never she, i think did she say she was at that dinner i don't think she was though she she must have signed something to shout out oh, Liz Gailey, shout out Brian. that was a great um what are some of your favorite memories with us so we went to vegas multiple times yeah. you guys were hosting i think it was valentine's day for two straight years at light, it's what nightclub at Caesars Pier, where one time we just went, and it was great. That was like, I remember, like they gave us like the flip cameras. Remember, like this was like pre iPhone, okay, like the flip cameras. Um, <laughs> and the second time we took the, they sent a plane for us, and that was like that was that that was the first time I had ever been on a private plane. I think it was, 
uh, and that was a crazy night. We were like in, we, here's what I remember that night. We get off the, we get up, we get picked up by a car. We go to a hotel before we go to a hotel room before we go to the nightclub. The hotel room is decked out in Mylar balloons for, for Valentine's day. Heidi goes into the bedroom, does a, like, this is not like the hustle, like a Fredericks of Hollywood photo shoot right. in like that 20 minutes or whatever that we had <laughs> until we had to be at the nightclub, went to the nightclub. Like I left, I played like craps. I came back. I remember it was like, I won like $250 in like five minutes. And then we're like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here and got on the plane. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, it was a rock star moment. Legendary. And worst memory. I don't know if there's a, so the, the worst or craziest was w- for sure the lead up to the lead up and aftermath of I'm a celebrity, which was like such, I mean, like, so first of all, the yeah, give con- backstory for everybody. They brought this show back from, from it was the a, UK. I'm a celebrity, hit. get me out, out of here was a huge hit. And I think Sutton still is in the UK yeah. and all over the world, but especially in the UK. It had been a season on ABC that did okay, but not great. It went away. And then NBC brought it back. And it was, I will not, it was premiering to premiere in summer of 2009. And the reason that I know that is, is because, uh, A, that was when Conan O'Brien was moving down to take over for the Tonight Show. So the, the launch of their summer and their launch of the Tonight Show with, with Conan was, I'm a celebrity, the news, and then Conan. It was also when we were merging. So like William Morris was becoming WME and we had like this big giant like kickoff meeting where all the agents from the combined company were meeting. And so uh, I, the, the contract was really complicated. You guys had to do like, Remember, like doctor's visits and psych exam, psych yes. evaluations because they were sending you in the middle of the jungle. Um, and it, we worked through the agreement. I drove, this was like such a Hollywood thing. I drove to Malibu where you were doing your Playboy shoot to have you sign the agreements because they had to be signed like that day for whatever reason. And you were off the jungle uh, after. And I'm sitting in my office and it was insane. It was just like, uh, they're, they're offset. They're back on set. They're offset. They left set. They're offset. They're back on set. And we're like, what is going on? And then we get the, I get up. So I'm at a, I'm at a pool party. I'm at a pool party. Like not, not a work party, a pool party on the weekend. And this is my Blackberry. I go to my backpack and I pull my Blackberry out. And I think I have like, like literally like 18 or 19 missed calls. One from Susie, several from Susie. And several from Mark and Susie says, you need to call Mark. And I call Mark and Mark says, I just got off the phone with, with Paul Tlegdi and Ben Silverman. Uh, Paul's on the way to the airport to take a flight to Costa Rica. The Spencer and Heidi have left set. They need to stay on. This is a big deal. Yada, yada, yada. So uh, call Paul. And Paul Tlegdi was, went on to become chairman of NBC or whatever. And it's been like, so for me, again, I'm like worst a second year agent or third year. bridge we burned, I think. It was, it was, so like, for me, I was like, this was like, it was just, it was a crazy experience. And so then like, 
ultimately it settled down. You guys were finally like off the show. And I remember because it was after July 4th, 2009. It was like the, whatever that Monday was, was the first day of WME. And so at 9 a.m. was like the kickoff meeting for this new agency. And at like 8.59, when we're like taking your seats, phone rings and it's you, my my BlackBerry rings. And uh, and I'm like, I, I had, you know, I had, like, I can't, worst I can't be on a phone right now. I have to go. And you were, you called me. I was like, where the fuck are you? Cause I didn't know if you were back on the show or leaving the show, or whatever. And you were, you were just like ranting. You were like Adam Galvin, like the only person in the world who told us not to do this show. Only person in the world who actually cares about us. And I was like, I'll call, uh, like, I'm glad you're safe. I'll call you back. <laughs> Cause you told us not to do it. You yes. saw this coming. Yes. Not, not that I didn't see, I didn't see the drama coming. It was like, for me, it was more about, um, The show hadn't been a success on ABC and I, you guys were famous and I'd have preferred to see it be a success somewhere in the U S first, rather than you guys to be, however you want to put it, the Guinea pigs or go on a show that may or may not be a success. And so that's why I was sort of just like, there's no, it was a paycheck. It was only 30 grand. That was why, was. that's why we kept quitting. We're like, this but is 30 grand. It wasn't so much money that you couldn't yeah. walk away from it. And so like, that was just where I was coming from. It was just like, look, if it wasn't either, if it was a ton of money or it was like such a guaranteed, like whatever biz career booster. It's interesting that was John, I guess he's probably dealing with the merger. Wouldn't say to Ben Silverman at the time, like you, I didn't have all this fame well, you can launch this show with them, but you got to pay that whole, it must the way that been. favorite nations thing is such a con. Cause now we know that's made up. That they just <laughs> say, so favorite nations, they say, Oh, everybody on the show is getting the same fee, but then they can pay you for a production deal on the so, side. Yeah. Some, 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 I guess this is sort of whatever, peeling back the curtain a little bit. Some shows are very strict about it being everything being exactly the same for everybody. Dancing with the Stars is one where, because they have such large casts, and back then they were doing uh, two seasons a year. So that's at least, whatever, 20 different talent coming on there every year. They were very strict about like no one getting anything more than the others because like if that got out, it would be a disaster. Some other shows or companies or whatever, networks maybe have whatever Rares. flexibility if you want to call it that <laughs> there must have been something else going on because that's so logical and knowing us and dealing with us that was the wrong move we should not have gone to the jungle and it was also miss universe right because that was part of it like if you go you'll do miss universe and we were launching my music uh, and we were like okay we'll that. do it in exchange because the year before lady gaga had performed at miss universe mm -hmm. and she became the biggest star in the world and so we were kind of waging that but what we should have realized and what we didn't really talk through and that was kind of us at the moment like go 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 it's like yeah. no it's lady gaga this is their biggest star that they've been vetting that she has inner scope behind her putting millions of dollars into mm. her mtv was actually going against my music so i didn't really have any leverage there regardless of where i performed so i think that was a huge part of our incentive but that was such a, a hard time. We just got married on the hills. Like we were at the height of our fame and we translated it into something more negative. When we were already digging out of a negative hole, that just put us in such a bad light because we were told by Ben Silverman and we had those conversations like, hey, we'll go to the jungle, but we're going to quit. 
Like we, we don't have the summer to be spending in the jungle as long as we're on the same page. And then we get there and we're like, all right, we quit gigs up. This is like part of what we talked about is that we can leave. And Ben was like, oh yeah, you have a hotel you're at. That's just a set. Like it was not fully talked through and seen. And so we were just told something different. And then when we get there and you're like, where's the hotel and what's really going on. And now they're like, you can't leave. We're like, what do you mean we can't leave? And so it just became, if we had been more prepared for it or like had really been talked through what that show was, it would have been a whole different situation. Or like to try to keep us in. And when Heidi was going to the hospital, they tried to offer me like 900,000 to stay in and let Heidi go off to the hospital by herself. And I wasn't sep- like, if you'd started with 900, I feel like Heidi and I would have been like, we're not trying to slang dry shampoo in the jungle yeah. versus, you know, trying to like, you know, <laughs> right. freaking it would not have been our priority. How they would have brought like a lip liner in or something. Um, yeah, but, but that was such good thinking on your part and to be able to see the lay of the land and be like, okay, Spidey should not be in the jungle on the first season. I mean, this is no knock against whoever else was on yeah. that show with you. John Sally was on, right? Uh-huh. I just, I just remember the like, which is not no knock against NBC or ITV or anybody that like was involved in that show. It's it's that way. Like the first season of Dancing with the Stars, the cast continues to get better because once the show is established as a hit, then you can sort of start to attract bigger talent. Um, and it was that was just sort of my thinking, obviously, because it sort of felt like let's let it be a hit first and then go in. But whatever, we live and learn. When because. You know, reality TV, when you first got in, it was kind of like the, you know, technically like the joke. It wasn't even a thing. When was, did you see this shift where, you know, it was the big money. It was like a bigger part of the agency. Like you got, you felt like you had more clout. So, we always said, I mean, I still think to a certain degree, it's, it's, I don't, whatever you want to call it, the redheaded stepchild of like the agency business, because the agencies are, um, if you're not in the business, you identify a talent agency by the movie stars they represent. And so we, our mentality was sort of, we, we, we were up in our own corner of the, of the building, just doing our thing, whether anyone else cared or not. Um, and so the, they knew because it's sort of talked about, especially like these days where the television has become such big business. And now the agency, I think on the whole is aware of how much revenue is generated by non-scripted and scripted TV. Um, you know, there were huge deals in place, whether it's like you guys made a, we're making a bunch of money, more money than I knew was a thing for reality show cast or, John Farrader, who was one of your agents, obviously my boss, like he represented Larry King and Ryan Seacrest. And those guys were making obviously extraordinary amounts of money. Um, and then in the, with the combined co- companies at WME, the Kardashians were clients, the production company that made that show, Buna Murray, a legendary production company. Um, I think probably like it was maybe like the social media era with like, what the Kardashians came along right when Instagram became a thing mm-hmm. and they're the most, you know, whatever, five of the most famous people on the planet. Do you, cause we keep asking people like, cause we felt like 
we were supposed to be the Kardashians, Spidey Jet. They got like four jets. They have, you know, a lot of companies. They had our vision. Yeah, they, we had similar, we had similar visions. They, <laughs> that has worked out. Do you feel like them having social media at the peak of their fame is that missing link, or do you think there's just more? That's of them? interesting. I mean, I think I, I certainly it allows you to stay present in a way that you you because you're you're dependent on whatever your television airing schedule when your episodes are on or, or the hustle of like paparazzi photos or magazines or whatever. You're not dependent on that. If you're able to get out in front of people on their phones, like any time of the day, every day of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, probably I think, and also then all the opportunities that come with that, like the, the one-off brand deals or that, like the licensing deals and all those types of things. Um, I don't necessarily know if there's like a secret ingredient, but like clearly to be able to have a platform that you can grow and own and, and capitalize on with that audience you had is, is a very, very big thing. Yeah. What do you think about influencers now and the evolution? I feel like the influencers are the new reality stars, but a lot of them care like way more successful in our realm. But where do you see like the industry when the beginning to where it's going and opportunities and influences. It, it blows my mind. Like, I think I don't, there was like the last week, last week, I think like the Forbes, whatever, Creator 50 creators list. or whatever. And again, this is just probably an indication of my age, but like, I, I, I know a lot of those people, obviously certainly the people at the top of the list, but there's a lot of people who I just don't know whether they're YouTube personalities whose channels I don't subscribe to or, or whatever. Um, but the clearly like the creator the creator economy is like real and massive and i think like the the ability to go like create an audience harness an audience and capitalize on the audience is much greater now than it was when you guys were on the hills like so like i don't necessarily know that there's a huge change in that there's the, the business is constantly shifting and like whether it's because you know stock prices for certain streaming companies taking a hit or whatever in the way that people are ordering stuff is becoming, um, it's, it's becoming more challenging to sell stuff. Um, there are lower budgets and all of those things. Um, there will always be shifts and ebbs and flows for any type of um, ecosystem, but there are so many platforms. There's however many 7 billion people in the world, all of them essentially with the telephone. Um you know, Netflix might change their buying patterns or Amazon or ABC might change their buying patterns, but like you'll always be able to reach whatever your 3 million followers or whatever, if that's what your audience is. So um, it's not going anywhere. That is the best reference to the fact that Heidi is now a pop star in China, which if you told us when we invested all of our money <laughs> into her pop album, that it would become a hit 13 years later. In China, because... Do, uh, did you guys see Searching for Sugar Man, by any chance? No. Documentary? Oh, watch it. I think you won the Oscar for the best documentary. Was the, but I'm going to botch the story because I saw it when it came out many, many years ago. But uh, this sort of like almost Santana-esque singer-songwriter released an album that like came and went and was forgotten about in the U.S. But I want to say... God, what country was it? We'll find like out. El Salvador, team. Guatemala. Spotify team. Whatever. Uh this album became like we're like in the way that like South, South Africa. Africa. Thank you. So Thanks, like in the way that like when you go to college, they hand you a copy of Dark Side of the Moon in the U.S. and everyone knows Dark Side of the Moon. Like 
this was that in South Africa. Like it was like an like the like all time classic album, and no one knew how it got there or why. And I don't even think he realized it. And then they basically go back and they find this guy and say, "Hey, do you know you are a living legend in South Africa?" So they, <laughs> so they brought him to South Africa and had like this like triumphant return where this guy who was like this mysterious figure um, never achieved success, like that level of success here, but did there. So, so we I keep do. telling Heidi, That's we need to go to China and find these, because somewhere in China, she's getting like 2 billion streams a day, 2 million down. Like, so we need to like track this because I'm sure on Dow Jones, Dow, 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 Dow Jones, she's what my pronunciation. What is it, the, the TikTok over there? What's that? What's the TikTok in Oh, in China. Uh, yeah, I know. So we need to track, get their information they have, find out where these these provinces go on tour, show up, and go on tour. Heidi have amazing Chinese backup dancers. Have you know live translation? I mean, I just see the whole vision, and I love this idea. So I think we can try to make the spinal tap version of searching for sugar, man. That's our pitch. See you soon. soon. Starring Heidi and James Franco and Spencer. Who are some of your other favorite clients that you have worked with or experiences (sighs) besides us, of course? Some other like not famous people. So like I, I was without, I'll try not to name too many names, but like I was, when I was promoted, as I sort of mentioned, you're, you're assigned coverage, meaning it's your job to sit in your office and um, cover your networks, which means be aware of every open job available at the networks you're responsible for so that you can, so that you can communicate to the rest of the agency, hey, ABC bought the show, they need a host, they bought the show, they're going to need a showrunner, whatever. Um, and so one of the networks that I was assigned to when I got promoted was ABC and our agency represented the BBC, which 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 owned uh, Dancing with the Stars, Strictly Come Dancing in the UK, which we sold to ABC, not knowing if it was going to work here or not. Obviously, became still like an all time tentpole history of reality TV, and so it was my job to cover that show, which means like if there was a showrunner or a writer or whatever, to try and at least like get them up for consideration, but also to uh, communicate the booking needs for the contestants of the agency and try and get the, the, the agency's clients on the show. And so, um, I took it probably like more seriously than I should have only because, uh, this is sort of, it goes back to what you're talking about, about like, did the rest of the agency see what we were doing or, or the influence that that, like our business had, we would have clients who maybe had been more famous 15 years earlier or whatever go on Dancing with the Stars and have like this, I mean, not even just a career renaissance, like completely change their lives because it's family-friendly show with a massive audience and they're offered Vegas shows or commercial deals or hosting deals and broadcast television. And so um, I put like about 40 clients of the William Morris Agency and WME onto Dancing with the Stars over the course of my time covering the show, which was just insane to watch. Because there were like, a lot of times it was easy because it was like, this person's really famous and they want to do it and they'll go. There were other times, as I mentioned, there were the people like, God bless them, like Donnie Marie Osmond. 
uh, Marie Osmond went on. The Osmonds were famous like when my parents were children. Um, and Marie went on, I think went very far on the show, transformed her life. Donnie went on shortly thereafter. Um, and the two of them, I believe, are still starring in a show at the Flamingo or somewhere in Vegas. Wow. Changed their lives. Wow. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, that was very fun. I love that. A, it was like I got to work with a lot of different clients who may or may not have even been clients of the non-scripted department. Um, but B, it was the type of thing where you sort of you told them, take it seriously practice a lot, go far, your audience, the audience for the show, especially back then, it was so huge that it would just, it changed lives. Does it still, or are there other shows that still have that effect right now? Oh yeah. Uh, Like the Masked Singer is great, but it seems hard because you never, no one sees you. (laughs) It's, but still the Masked Singer is such like a, like a kids love that show that I think that it's just like, it's family viewing and it does really well. It's, it's, it's hard to compare because like Dance with the Stars your front center every episode. And also what I loved about it. I don't, we're talking about dance with the stars so much, but like, you're not a, you're not the celebrity version of yourself. You're yourself on dance with the stars. So when you watch Mm -hmm. those pieces where they're at rehearsal and they're tripping over themselves and they're struggling to figure out a move, you as a viewer, like they become normal people and you start, you start to root for them. And so it has this amazing, it just created this sort of amazing thing where people were rooting for, um, these celebrities because like you actually saw they, they seemed like normal people you met their 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 kids or their families would come and watch them practice and we're sitting in the audience you're like oh what a what an adorable couple what an adorable family what adorable kids uh that show had like an amazing ability to like elevate a career speaking of that show one of my all-time favorite just like gosh you're stupid moments spencer um that i think about at least once a week is i don't know if it was it must have been after we had WME or William Morris. I don't know who set us up with a meeting for a manager. And I remember kind of going to this like office and I was like, well, who does this manager represent? He's like, oh, he's got the dancers, uh, Derek Huff and Julianne Huff. I'm like, who? And they're like, oh, they're the dancers on Dance with the Star. I'm like, we're going to get the managers for the dance. Now they're, you know, hosts of everything, multi-millionaire. It was Derek Huff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was we Derek saw him in Joanne the studio. Huff. Yeah, we met Derek Huff there in the studio, yeah, right? But I, it, so Dance nice. with the Stars, I don't think had been a, you know, it was probably... I think for, we were just so in our own world. It even, was big. It it was oh, big. I, I he just had a singing career. I want to tell myself we didn't know, but I remember being like, dance, who is, we need a real manager. <laughs> 
Spencer was supposed to be on that show, right? Did MTV say no or what happened there? Uh, you know, remember? I, I, so I got, remember. I got asked to go on, and then MTV. I I remember, and thankfully they said no because I cannot remember a dance. But they were, that was in the days <laughs> where the networks wouldn't share. So now they like are fine with a cross pollinization type yeah. thing. But back then it was yeah. like you're not going. I was like you're not going over to ABC. It was yeah. probably timing too, because you probably wouldn't have been available to film, or it was in between the seasons. So is that something we should pitch? Should we try to get on Dancing with Stars? I mean. I've always been a fan of that show. It's, it's, there's, you know, this is not to shit on any other reality shows, but like there are some shows that like are, are there exist for drama, right? Where like they want you to be fighting or they want to whatever competition, whatever it is. Um, Dance of Stars is like f- family friendly. The crew love one another. Can, the, the, the clients that I knew that went on the show, like, had nothing but like extraordinary things to say about their experience so like it's one of the like truly like in the world of reality tv that like a lot of people consider to be train wreck tv or drama whatever like pretty much only positive comes from going on that show one thing about being a reality tv agent just made me think about another show that's out right now is special forces and i when just when i did prince of malibu I'll never forget because I think about it all the time. I went out because I love military stuff. Mm-hmm. I pitched this exact show with Sean Perry mm-hmm. in 2000, whenever. So I'm imagining 2003. And that's the weird thing about reality TV. It's like, oh, nobody buys that then. But now it's season two on Fox. It's just that thing, like what you pitch, like we talked about when we had Spidey Productions, we went out with a the first. Uh, cannabis dispensary legal with the you know called zen healing and we went out and everyone was like oh no this could never be on television no you know cannabis can be on television and recently i just went out tried to pitch another show and the response was oh there's too much uh cannabis content it's an oversaturated market i'm like that timing of being in reality television pitching there's like this cliche that like everything everything is cyclical where like people don't, people aren't looking for, people might want an arcs competition, meaning one like survivor, right? Where it's one cast over the course of the whole episode, over the course of the whole season. And then someone might say, oh, well, we want uh, self-contained where it's new contestants every episode, which, you know, whatever. And you don't, you don't have to watch for the whole season to, to get it. You just can watch episode to episode. Or workplace docuseries, are really working right now. And then, oh, like the workplace docuseries aren't working right now. Manufactured reality or things that seemed kind of scripted, like Duck Dynasty was a huge hit. And then that came and went. And then, you know, manufactured or more scripted reality became less of a thing of interest. So um, that's sort of part of the game on the production side or like selling is that A, it's a volume business. The big giant production companies usually are out there in the market with multiple shows or certainly pitching multiple shows over the course of a year. Um, B it's re- it's incredibly competitive. There's more companies doing it now with, with everyone's pocketbooks being tightened. So there's less money to go around. So, uh, and the, and the bar is really, really high. You have, you know, Netflix with shows, you know, about Michael Jordan and David Letterman and Jerry Seinfeld, uh, you better bring your A game as far as what you're putting out there because the the bar is so high. So it's um it's yeah. a challenging market. It also seems and what we did know, but 
I mean, at the time, I guess that we're more famous, but it's who they want to be in business with too. Like they want to have evolution or they want this production company, or it's like the company that they're buying it from is such a name and such a brand, you know, like Mark Burnett, we want it from Mark Burnett and what is he doing? And so that's also such a, a level to. Yeah. When I heard Steve Moscow said that he went into Mark uh, Burnett's office and just got on one knee and gave him his format book. And he's like, any show you want to do, give you the best deal ever. I'm like, huh, there's a whole another version of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's, I mean, that's, that's part of the calculation that goes into that's packaging. I guess that's sort of what you're trained to do when you are in this business is a, whatever, uh, someone who represents content creators is, and that goes with scripted also. Um, who is the highest level producer with the most juice who does this exact type of show? Someone comes in and says, oh, I have a doc series about a whatever, a cannabis dispensary or a, a really crazy hairstylist in Beverly Hills, whatever it is. Look at the landscape. Who does a hit show that's just like that? Give it to them. Like they've got the best shot, shot of, of selling it. So right. um, it certainly like means that like, it, you know, it, it broadcast networks and ABC, NBC, CBS, whatever. It's a, there's, there's certain companies that, that specialize in those types of shows, game shows, big, shiny floor stuff. Um, so if you've got something like that, bring it to those people. When you were at the agency, since you were at both the biggest agency in the world at the time, and then this new monster now conglomerate agency, and it was, you know, because I brought, asked Steve Moscow about it. He didn't really want to, he's like, it's always, He's like, you can go back to the old days and they can say that was the coolest. But from your perspective, like seeing big shot agencies, did was it ever like high school where like the cool agents that were like, like, were they landing helicopters on the building and going to these dinners and then unscripted people are not invited to these I parties? Heard, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes and no. Like there was, I would say, like there were stories of like when it's not this way any longer, at least I could say from like my experience, but there were stories of like a non-scripted agent going to being at a Sundance party and a motion picture agent turning to that person saying like, what the fuck are you doing? There? And that's, a, and, and this is a colleague, there are two people who work together at the same company, um, which like, you know, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about how like we were like the just we were up there in our own little bubble. No one gave a shit about what we were doing. And that has changed in a lot of ways. The, the non-scripted people do documentaries, documentaries, a huge Sundance and whatever. Um, there was, you know, I, it, it may just been jealousy in some ways. Cause like we had any, any major agency has a giant presence at Cannes, Toronto, uh, Sundance, whatever, where they're renting out villas or they're renting homes and you're sending like huge, huge chunks of the department there for the duration of the festival and i'm struggling to get you know a trip to new york expensed or whatever and you're like what the fuck is this like <laughs> we're making all the money and they're having all the fucking they're in a they're in tuxedos on a red carpet uh and me i mean but it, again like it's expected that you participate in those types of things if you're a motion picture agent so um, I get it. I get it. It's how we felt too in the industry though. So it's interesting. It's agents and talent, you know, feeling kind of the same way. And that's why like, yeah, we were super famous and making a lot of money, but we never felt that next level because we weren't allowed in that next level. Like the Kardashians were the first ones that really, and maybe one of the only people that kind of segued in there, but it's because Kim had Kanye and Kanye opened the door with her and they kind of went to that next level with Vogue and stuff. But like, we weren't invited to be on 
in vogue and like all these prestigious places and but that's what's so funny about this new world right here is because yeah the kardashians did that but then now there's this new cheat code because we were getting like you know four to five million real eyes not like you know quick but like real viewership type of thing not scrolling <laughs> views which i love i'll take all scrolling views right. but mm-hmm. and then you look at and i'm huge fan not hater but like i just saw alex earl in paris and she's in chanel and they're putting her on you know chanel it's like yes she's a famous tiktoker which i think is the coolest app great all positive but that this world has changed where a hit television star regardless if heidi's the likable one she's on the biggest show you know you know it's just so crazy how it shifted where over chanel's dead body would they have put the biggest unscripted which is the same thing as tiktok it's unscripted Mm. even less it's just such a weird how now they're just in the game i'm like i'm not jealous i'm so excited for them they want to do it so fast oh she has millions of views let's get her in there right now right now right now when like before i'd be like all right let's see next season like everything moves it's a new world where like it was it is what you're talking about is like the very sort of traditional like i don't want to say old hollywood but like the more traditional way of like growing a career or making your way or growing your profile where it's like you're a tv star and then can you transition from tv to movies or if you're on a reality show what's your next move or whatever and, it, and there's not a lot of examples there's not a lot of careers to look at similar to yours where you said okay this person came to fame on a reality show pre-social media right like came to fame on a social media on, on a reality show and here's what they did next that catapulted them to a different stratosphere. There's just that playbook didn't really exist. Whereas like what you're talking about now, it's create your profile. You know, Alex Earl was posting like at a crazy rate until she really like popped, but like go viral. You've captured this massive audience and like brands, whoever else, that's what matters. You've got this huge audience you can reach and it's just a different form of, this is a different way to, to achieve fame. And that was, I love this podcast because I was already pumped up to, I, you know, my energy has been like trying to like get, become a television star again. And now movie it, star. Well, now initially it was a television oh, star okay. and then, you know, James Franco and I started our movie project. <laughs> so let's also be a movie star. But now just getting a new perspective on seeing you don't need the, like, for instance, I was just watching this Tinks, you know, and I was like, man, I feel like I get, you know, Tinks maybe got some more followers than me, but I get the hits like Tinks and it's showing that she just made $8 million. I'm like, I'm getting, I may have some less followers, but I have that engagement. I need to go all in. So maybe I can make a million. Like, I don't need to make eight like Tinks, but it's just, I have a new inspiration of being like, well, there's, you know, there's a, there's a niche for dads that are insane. She's really smart about how she's approaching. Cause it like, it's, she has, she has been very conscious to not just be influencer or like, you know, whatever beautiful person who posts on social media or whatever, like, like, like you see a lot across Instagram. She took the route of like, going real like a comedy which i think is sort of how she first got noticed but like advice and like dating uh as a uh in the modern world and like really sort of being a source of like ask me ama it's like ask me anything and, and and not just being like as i said like not just being like someone who posts often 
but someone who's posting things that are there to either inspire, uh, get engagement, uh, be someone who like women look up to or feel like gets them. Um, and so, yeah, it's sort of like this, almost like, you know, the modern advice columnist in a way. I have great advice. Spencer, so are you representing other uh, influencers and what would be your advice for a new client? Um, uh, I represent all, I still, all forms of on-camera talent, not primarily nonfiction. So, you know, whatever, whether it's lifestyle experts, influencers, you kind of have to be in that world, uh, these days, um, have a point of view, I think is the biggest thing. Like uh, it's people want to see inside your world and people want to just see what you're having for breakfast and, um, what your home life is like and all of those things. But like, when you can connect with people in a way, Tinks is a really good example of like, of like you're, you're, you're providing, I don't know if a service is the right way to describe it, but you, but you, there, there's a way to connect with people um, and curate it, like put a thought into it so that it's not just like a, Hey, this is what my day is like. Cause everyone can do that. Mm. Um, and people will continue to watch you. Like I like as like uh, someone who's known you forever, like the hummingbird shit is fucking like, I always was like, this is like, I don't know what the show is, but like, I can watch you with the hummingbird hat on your hat all day long. Like no one else is doing this. And it's like, so clearly a genuine interest of yours. And like, that's different from, you know, Hey, uh, whatever this is not to knock you obviously, but like, this is the burrito I'm eating today. Like, okay. I know you, I love that you love burritos, but like, you know, the 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 hummy stuff is like this is different and it's beautiful and amazing and anyways but that's sort of what I would say is like I mean so much so, so that Brody, you're influencing Brody, Brody to, now has to try to take hat. the same yeah, sure Okay, account. so if someone was your new um, client, what are the most important outlets right now on the internet? Is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Is it Snapchat? Do you need all of them? Like, what what's your suggestion? And do you I go mean, all in on this one? This is just like five as a, posts as a, a day. consumer. Well, I, I, yes, I work in the business, but like as a, as someone who's out there just in the world, either working, whether I'm in the business or whether I'm just like as a consumer of all this stuff, Instagram is, it, I, I think is the king as far as like follower count and engagement is like very measurable and means a lot. Mm. Um, TikTok is, is, this is based on not this is less based on personal opinion and more about what I've, what I've experienced in the market. TikTok follower, TikTok followers are not worth the same as Instagram followers. Uh-huh. But that might shift over time. I think it's just, I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know why that is. Hello, it's Heidi. Uh, nice to check in with you. I think you? like, I think a million Instagram followers translates <laughs> to a much more engaged, like higher rate, I guess you could say, than a million TikTok followers. Good thing I have a million Instagram followers. But it's crude, but okay. TikTok's amazing and uh it's not going anywhere. So both so, important. Snapchat, I've just never been it's just it's nothing against Snapchat. I've it's never been my thing. We're gonna we're trying to get the head of Snapchat partnerships on the podcast. So we'll we'll figure out how we can make it your thing. Um we always ask our guests we try to how if you hypothetically were our agent um, how could we get famous again? Like, how do we get back in the game? How do we get a TV show? How do we get, how do we get a 16th minute locked in here? Um, my opinion. So I, cause I remember from 
even like, cause I represented some of the producers on, on the Hills when we were all working together. Um, and I remember like early days, them talking about like how the two of you were so important to that show, because like, you know, look, whatever, to whatever degree was scripted or to whatever degree you guys were acting, you were really, really good at it. Like you knew you were told or it was decided or it was established what the scene needed to be. And like, you guys had a gift. And when we were talking about potential spinoffs or like new, whether they're, whether you want to call them spinoffs or whether they're just whatever, a Spidey standalone series, we always sort of talked about, um, almost like an I Love Lucy or like something. We we talked about it. We usually talked about it more in like sitcom terms than in reality terms because you're both really quick and really funny. And like for as crazy as I'm a Celebrity was, your like confessional interviews or whatever made me laugh the fuck out loud. They were insane and they were so funny. And so I was like, that's it. Oh like gosh. I think like you guys are – like whether or not you have a TV show, you guys are still like very famous people. Like ex- high level executives will always take a meeting with you. Um, yes. Like, is there dad stuff to lean into and mom stuff to lean into for sure. Uh, but I think like figuring out some type of comedic format, whether it's when I say format, I mean like it could be just a doc series that you guys as a whatever Spidey, the Osbournes, but with Spidey, you know, um, uh, because I, one thing that I've noticed, because obviously I've known you guys for so long, is that like, like anything else, like tide shift, um, and like, even like on your Instagram page or TikTok or whatever, like especially you, you see people that are flat out like, I used to fucking hate this guy, and now I, I do I actually love him now? Like, what's happening? Um, and it's like everyone grows up, everyone matures, and I feel like you have like probably more like you loved to be the the bad guy you were you were the villain and you were proud of it back in the day and i think now like embracing the fact that like oh i'm not i'm a, I'm a little i'm a little softer now um uh no pun intended <laughs> uh, and i because i feel like people are on your side or rooting for you way more today than they were when you guys were like pro, like uber famous but playing the role of the villain you know, so I don't know if that's a good so answer or not. Dancing with the Stars, Dancing with the Stars, series. you're on yeah. Spidey. Instagram, Instagram, more posts. Yeah. Be um, soft. Got that one. Um, I feel like we could definitely do a part two because uh, I still have like 1,000 questions for you. Is there anything you, before we end, in the that you find you think our listeners would love about fame? Uh, just like something that you're like, one of this, this sticks. It's What's so, the best lesson you've learned in Hollywood? Oh, like best lesson I learned what in Hollywood. Pre workout, <laughs> blitz. Be a good person. I think it's probably like it's very important. You have to be someone who, when someone sees your name on the call sheet, that they don't dread the idea of calling you back. Uh, and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of huge egos in the business. And a lot of people who believe that they are more important than anyone else. And, um, you know, it, 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 when you're working at a high level in the business, and I'm not saying that I am, but you know what I mean? Like, to, if, you're, if you're working at a big talent agency or you're working at a big production company or a big network or whatever it is, you've, 
you're, you're smart and you've worked hard to get there. So everyone kind of has that equally. Beyond that, it sort of goes like, okay, who, um, how do I put this? Uh, especially in reality TV, what I found for doing this for 20 years is that like, there's, for the most part, people are normal. People are nice. People are appreciative of when you work hard and work on their behalf. And there are people who are not. And it's a big industry, but it's not that big of an industry where people don't sort of compare notes. And everyone knows who those people are. Um, and and unless they've got a really big reason that you can't avoid them, people just prefer not to deal with assholes. So, um, yeah be a good person would be my my piece of advice can really you say good. that backwards no no for the, for the ending <laughs> backwards right, okay. can you say you know you don't have to do it verbatim but it's make sure to like review follow the spidey 16th minute on all any you know you can i'll say uh, make make sure to make sure to like and subscribe barks bus uh uh so came russwood kyle bark bus uh spidey's eat ipes Hidnitixis Tenim would be Spidey's 16th minute. Where did you learn this again? From reading things on your wall. That's right? a good that's good memory. Thanks. I, I I was transitioning from uh the big satellite, like the old school satellite TV to direct TV. And so I was without a TV in my room for some period of time. And I collected Wheaties boxes, like the Bulls. I'm from Chicago, so I had all those Bulls championship Wheaties boxes, or whatever. And so I would drift off to sleep bored because i couldn't watch tv and i was as like a challenge to myself memorize all the words on uh the cereal box and then when i could do that i was like what how could you do that backwards and then i got like addicted to that and then i could just do it you must have one of the highest iqs of anyone i've, I've, I've always definitely of anyone in my life was there there <laughs> was husband, there was a time where you ran our production company right or did we try to get well, with you? with Anna and Spencer. I feel like, or when you yeah. were, before you segued, or we Two. wanted you to, and then we just, it or, went. Probably. I mean, we talked, we, we like, we, we talk, as I mentioned earlier, we talked a lot about like, oh, like, end game. Whatever. Yeah. We tried. So, so we had the podcast. We took two USC film students that did Heidi's mm -hmm. uh, overdosing yep. music video. It's on YouTube. Check it out. Anna and Spencer, his name was Spencer, and her name was Anna. They were a team. And we asked them how much to pay them to work exclusively and run our production company. And we gave them an incredible deal. And they are two of the biggest writer, producer, directors to this day in Hollywood right now. And if we kept having our finances, they would have never left us because they <laughs> loved our deal. Mm -hmm. And we would have got to cut all these movies. It's, so it's, it's, it's just, we just amazing. ran out of money to keep paying them. And then they went on their own. Well, we had Gigi Hadid on tape that we pitched to MTV for a Malibu High <sighs> show. So we had Gigi Hadid on our docu-series before she was famous. And Yolanda was not and Bella was a super little sister. into it, though. That's amazing. Remember, she, she was... Um, and she then she later went on to the house. She would have, but then she went on the housewives. There was so much changed. stuff. There were so many... Elise Walker, remember? Oh, oh my shop so girls. Good. Elise yeah. Walker ended up having like a $100 million yes. business yeah. or whatever. Yeah, we yeah. got that deal with Buna Murray and then that all yeah. We had fell so apart, many but... like, oh my gosh. Right, oh, so <sighs> close. So yeah. close. But that was one thing Steve Mosca said. I was like, how about all your hits? And he's like, yeah, I think about all the things that didn't work. I was like, oh, me too. All right, well, thank you to all of our listeners. What a fun. Thank you to Adam for, you know, dealing with us. No, yeah, I know. For so many so years, lot. always the best attitude. 
And thank you. The darling. only person, what'd you say? The only person we trust and get gone. It was, it was, it was like 911. Like a tent full, like, where are we needing help? <laughs> <laughs> help! I just got so all the I know. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you Thanks so much, everybody. Leave us great Thanks comments. Thanks for having me. Thanks, The Ringer, for having us.